2: The Uncontested Podcast presents Under the Bubble, a special podcast series previewing all 22 teams returning to play at Disney World. We're talking to podcasters, writers, and bloggers who cover these teams to get you all caught up before the NBA is back in action on July 31st. Tune
3: in every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts, for the latest episode in the series. What is up everybody? Welcome back to the uncontested podcast. As you just heard, the first episode in our under the bubble series where we will be examining all 22 teams who will be under the bubble in Disney World starting in July. So this week we have three guests who came on to talk with us. Uh, Philip Rossman Reich of Locked On Magic Podcast and the editor of OrlandoMagicDaily.com join me to talk about the Magic, their return to play, and playing in their own backyard just 20 miles away from Orlando is Disney World. Then Nick Fay of the Brooklyn Buzz and NBA Outlet Podcasts and the head of OTGBasketball.com has a discussion with me about the Brooklyn Nets. Coming back to play, no Kevin Durant, no Kyrie Irving, but still an interesting team. And then lastly, Gianni Navas joins Justin. Gianni is part of the Heat Beat Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, to talk about the Miami Heat, who are an interesting team. Coming back with Andre Iguodala, and Solomon Hill and Jay Crowder. Added to their team just at the trade deadline with high hopes Of making a deep run in the bubble playoffs. So we hope you guys enjoy. Please make sure to tune in next Wednesday as we will hit another three teams. And with that being said, let's get you over to my conversation with Philip Rossman Reich, the host of the Locked on Magic podcast and editor of OrlandoMagicDaily.com. All right, now we are joined by Philip Rossman-Reich. He is the host of the Locked on Magic podcast and the site manager and editor of orlandomagicdaily.com. Uh, you can find Philip on Twitter. You can find the Orlando Magic Daily on Twitter. Uh, Philip is at Philip R underscore OMD. You can find his podcast, Locked on Magic, anywhere you get your pods. Philip, man, thank you so much for joining us today.
4: No problem. Happy happy to be here and happy to actually be talking some basketball for a change.
3: Yeah, it's or future we, basketball,
4: not past basketball.
3: Yeah. Um, I recorded an episode last night actually where I got so hyped up talking about the return to play, and then you stop and you really think about it, and we're still like almost two months away. So but, yeah, it's, but it is it's,
4: it's still far off, it feels like, but but it'll be here sooner than we know.
3: Yes, yes. And at least we have actual content to cover. So we want to Kind of recap the Orlando Magic prior to the hiatus. So thirty and thirty-five is where the Magic currently stand. Uh, that's good for eighth in the East. They're only a half game back of the Nets, and they're a good five and a half games up on the Wizards. And the Wizards are the only lower Eastern Conference team that have been invited back to play. Uh, Orlando was on a three-game win streak prior to the hiatus, beating the Timberwolves, Rockets, and the Grizzlies, and they were eight and four. In their last twelve games before the shutdown, so it seems like maybe finding their groove coming down the stretch. Would you evaluate it that way?
4: Yeah, I think I think that's definitely a good way to evaluate it. I mean, I think the Magic have had a really uneven season. Um, there have been a lot of injuries, and, and not necessarily big injuries. There's obviously the one big injury to Jonathan Isaac, but uh, there've been a lot of little injuries that have kept players out for you know ten, twelve games at a time, and so they. They really haven't had a full lineup, and you know, coming out of the All Star break or around the All Star break, the Magic finally had a lot of stability. I mean, you know, Aaron Gordon looked healthy really for the first time uh, since early, early in the season, uh, really even the preseason at that at that point. Um, you know, they they acquired James Ennis, which which gave them a little bit of lineup stability because they could slide him in at the three uh, in in the starting lineup, and they really kind of. You know, as Steve Clifford likes to say, they, they kind of found their way to play. Um, They, they really started to really come into their own and, and get comfortable playing with each other, and you could see that chemistry really beginning to grow. Um, since the All-Star break, you know, the Magic, which were really bad offensively to that point, you know, after the All-Star break, the 10 games after the All-Star break, the Magic had the best offense in the league by offensive rating. So, you know, they were really starting to turn a corner, and, you know, it, it, it feels unfortunate to say this, but... They were just about to enter the soft part of their schedule. They had 8 of their next 10 at home, and I believe it was 10 of their next 11 or 10 of their next 12 against teams with losing records. I'm not saying that those teams were necessarily easy or easier, but they had they had a really favorable schedule coming down the stretch, and, and it really looked like the Magic were, were hitting their stride at just the right moment to take advantage of all that. So you know, I think Orlando's eager to get back out onto the court, but... You know they were they were really starting to hit their stride and and looked ready to make a run for the seventh seed at the very least
3: yeah definitely so i want to talk about some season highlights so far for the magic and so i've watched some orlando magic this season obviously not nearly as in depth as you have so can you give our listeners just some of maybe the the big storylines the big developments and the big highlights from the magic this season so far
4: yeah, I mean, I think I think the biggest kind of storyline for the team, and, and this isn't going to sound super exciting, but it's just been sort of consistency. I mean, and maybe it's consistency and mediocrity, or, or kind of in the middle middle of the the playoffs. But they 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 haven't had too many like super lows. they, they they've struggled, and there's no doubt about that. I mean, I, I think most Magic fans would tell you that, and I would honestly think the Magic would say that that the season has been disappointing in a lot of ways, but they never let them let that take them out of the playoff race. You know, I, I really think last year's playoff experience really prepared them for managing the, the, the kind of trials that they've had to go through this season. And and it's helped them kind of stay afloat. I mean, obviously 30 and 35 is, is nothing to really celebrate. I'm not saying that anyone should be celebrating making the playoffs as a seven or eight seed. But the Magic have done well enough. They've beaten the teams they're supposed to beat. Um, you know, they only have five wins against teams with records above 500, which means they have 25 wins. Uh, against teams that are below 500, they They've generally taken care of their business against the teams that they should beat. They haven't taken too many bad losses. There are, of course, a few in there, as every team will have. But they've generally done a good job taking care of their business, and I think that shows a little bit of maturity and stability that you need to be to be a playoff team. Obviously, the Magic want to do more, and that's kind of been uh, the the struggle this season is, is trying to figure out how to do more with with a roster that does feel in many ways very limited. The other big storyline, uh, of course, is Markel Fultz, um, the former top overall pick from the Philadelphia 76ers who missed really the entirety of his first two seasons in, in the NBA because of uh, various injuries, um, has really emerged as, as a key player for the Magic in the future. He, he was uh, pretty much from the first preseason game, it was very clear that he was the best point guard on the roster. The magic moved him into the starting lineup just six games into the season, which I thought was was happened a lot quicker than I thought it was going to happen. I thought he'd eventually take over the starting role, but not that fast. And Fultz has gone through, you know, the typical ups and downs you'd see from a guy who's essentially playing his rookie season, playing his first full year in the NBA. But he's also been really good. And and, and as the Magic have trusted him more, the Magic have gotten a lot better. I mean, I would argue that much of the 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 surge that the Magic had offensively after the All-Star break was because they trusted Marco Foltz to run the team a whole lot more, and, and he kind of found his rhythm and his shooting rhythm from mid-range at least uh, to really lead the team forward. And so, you know, the Magic have a lot of really promising young players still. They're still kind of putting a lot of the pieces together, and they've got a lot of vet- got a lot of veterans and young veterans who've kind of kept this team stable to, to keep them in the playoff picture.
3: Nice. So one highlight that I wanted to touch on real quick that's maybe not team related, but is magic related. How upset are magic fans that Aaron Gordon still does not have a dunk championship?
4: I mean, I think magic fans are still a little salty about it. Um, you know, we, we, uh, uh, we all make the Dwayne Wade joke, you know, whenever, whenever, whenever Dwayne Wade says anything, we usually give that a nine out of 10. There you go. Um, um, but it's, it, you know, it, it was definitely frustrating to watch because you know, the, the magic are a team that's, very much in the shadows, um, you know. We're, they're not on national TV a lot. I think they had one nationally televised game this year. Um, it actually got moved, um, so but they still only had one. They got one taken away and one added, um, so they're not a team that a lot of people pay attention to. So yeah, All Star Weekend uh, with Aaron Gordon in the dunk contest and him putting on an, a second performance that was certainly worthy of a championship. Um, it, it was sort of the Magic's time to be in the spotlight, uh, at least in the national conversation, because you know no one's really talking about a seven or eight seed. In in the Eastern Conference, especially, Um, but it it was definitely frustrating. You know, Magic fans. I I think we want attention. We do want people to know that we exist and know that that this team is is actually pretty good. I mean, I think there's still a little bit of a perception that the Magic are kind of lost in the wilderness, which you know was certainly the case two years ago. But I I don't think it's the case anymore. Um, And and so, not winning that, and especially a Heat player winning it, and a Heat player kind of being part of of the decision of them not winning it. I think that definitely rubbed Magic fans the wrong way. And I think, you know, everyone, and honestly, I think Gordon is, you know, I think he's over it to a certain extent, but I think he's a little frustrated with it too, because he's probably one of the best dunk contest performers of all time. And he just got, you know, he got beat by the judges and, and two very good dunkers. Don't get me wrong, but he got beat by the judges on on two separate occasions.
3: Yeah, definitely. So how many Magic fans do you think have that diss track on their playlist?
4: Oh, I'm sure very many do. I mean, AG put out a couple tracks, and, and I'm sure they're. I'm sure once we're back in the Amway Center, if, if Aaron's still on the team, uh, they will get played a whole lot.
3: Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Um, all right, Phillip, so we've touched a little bit on this, but injury concerns for the Magic returning to play. You, you've talked about Jonathan Isaac a few times now. Is he expected to not play? Down in Disney World, or do they think he can come back? And what other injury concerns do the Magic have uh, coming back to the resumption of play?
4: Yeah, uh, I mean, and for those who don't know, because because Isaac's injury happened, it feels like a millennia ago on January first. But you know, Jonathan Isaac is probably the most promising player on this team. Uh, he's
3: yeah, I love Jonathan Isaac personally. He
4: was he was probably going to be on the All Defensive Team this year. I mean, he was he was averaging he was uh, he was leading the league in, in stocks, steals, plus blocks. Um, So he's like, he was top, I think he was top five in blocks when he got hurt and top 10 in steals, which is, you know, just an incredible amount of defensive versatility. Uh, And he's still so young. He's still learning so much about how to play defense. But I always tell people this, you know, Jonathan Isaac is the one guy on the magic who does something at an elite level. And obviously to win at the highest levels, you need players that perform at elite levels. And, And Isaac's defense, his rim protection, you know, is his ability to change the game as a wing player. Um, you know, I, I trot this stat out all the time. Uh, the Defensive Player of the Year has been a center every single year. Or, 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 not, I'm sorry, let me let me correct that. Um, the the blocks leader has been a center every single year since 2004 when Andrei Kirilenko led the league in blocks. Um, Jonathan Isaac was on track to at least flirt with leading the league in blocks per game. Um, and so... I, 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 think, I think the Magic have something really, really special with Isaac. Um, unfortunately, on January 1st, he, his knee kind of wrapped around Bradley Beal's leg, and, and he collapsed to the floor and, and, and suffered a posterior um, uh, lateral corner injury in his left knee. And it's, it's not particularly clear if he's going to be ready to return. I mean, Isaac is, you know, now that the training facility is back open, he's been running on the Alter G machine, which sort of like creates a low-gravity environment for, for him to run on in, in the treadmill. Um, and, and it's not entirely clear if he's going to play. Um, Isaac has essentially said, now that the hiatus has lasted long enough, he said that if he's clear to play, he would love to play. But it, it's not clear uh, whether that's going to happen. Um, the Magic are typically very, very cautious and, and very, very patient with injuries. Um, you know, they Isaac had an injury his rookie year where he sprained his ankle and it took forever for him to come back and it's not particularly clear why and some of it was just kind of an abundance of caution. That Magic team was going nowhere it didn't really make sense to throw him back out there until he was 100% healthy and, and actually they did throw him back out there in December and he had a, he kind of had a relapse and so they kind of kept him under wraps that entire rookie year. Um, so I, I think the Magic kind of view this as if he's ready to go, if, if we can clear him to play if we're confident that he's 110% he will play, um, but I think there's a fair amount of skepticism that, that he will reach that point and, and that the Magic, you know, with not a whole lot to play for. Obviously, they want to make the playoffs. I think they want to climb to seventh, but they know they're not competing for anything real, and I think they know that Isaac is their most important long-term asset. If, if they can protect him, I, I think they will, so I, I'm not expecting that Isaac will play. Um, another minor injury to look out for that should be okay um, Evan Fournier missed the last three games before the before the season went on hiatus with an elbow injury. He was still getting some rehab and some treatment on it when the bat when the practice facility reopened. But I would suspect that he'll be ready to play uh, when when the season resumes on July thirty first.
3: All right, very good. Yeah, um, I'm a huge Jonathan Isaac fan. You kind of hit the nail on the head there. But he's such a unique player. Uh, his length, his versatility. So I would love to see him play. Uh, but I would totally understand if. The Orlando front office just decides to um, really mitigate that chance of him getting re-injured. So, um, all right. So we kind of talked about how Orlando was doing before the shutdown. Uh, I want to talk about, and and you've mentioned this a few times here, their place in the seating. So Orlando is currently eighth in the East, only a half game behind Brooklyn, and they have that five game, five and a half game cushion on Washington. So I want to kind of pick your brain on how you think Orlando will perform down in Disney World. Do you think they'll climb? There's no way they can climb up to six. The gap between seven and six in the east is a freaking canyon. Um, and as we now know, per the the rules that they've agreed upon for this play-in tournament for eight and nine, the nineteen would have to be within four games. So that means Washington would have to climb... Uh, to to within four games right now, they're within five and a half to even force a play in with Orlando if Orlando ended at the eighth seed. So with all of that being said, Philip, where do you foresee the Orlando magic landing at the end of this eight game regular season down in Disney world?
4: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, you know, if, if the schedule goes as it's rumored to be going, where they're going to try and kind of hew toward the the schedule that teams were actually supposed to be playing, then I think Orlando does have a little bit of an advantage. I mean, like I said, um, the Magic are about to hit the really soft spot of their schedule. And it's not just that they were going to play, you know, Chicago and Charlotte and and they had the Knicks one more time. It's not that they were going to play those teams only. It's, it's even the teams that they're going to face or that they would face that are, that are going to the campus site on Disney, you know, are not the strongest teams in the world. I mean, I would suspect that they will play Sacramento. I would suspect that they will play... Brooklyn and and perhaps Brooklyn twice. Um, They had New Orleans on their schedule. Uh, They had teams that you know are are at the very least at their level. And and Orlando, obviously, you know they're not one of the top teams. You know, I don't think they can count any game as a guaranteed victory. But these are teams that they should be able to handle. I mean, they beat Sacramento on the road earlier this year. They've you know they, they beat New Orleans without Zion Williamson, but they're on, they, they're potentially on the schedule. They've beaten Brooklyn twice. Like I said before, Orlando's done a very good job, kind of taking care of business in these kinds of games. It's it's the games against the elite teams that they've really struggled with, except Philadelphia. For some reason, they've beaten them twice. Um, and and Philadelphia is on the is potentially on the schedule at least once uh, heading into the to heading into this regular season. So, you know, I, I think the schedule you know obviously the schedule won't be as on paper at least easy as it would have been if they f- just finished the schedule normally but the magic i think still have a, a fair bit of advantage not only because you know the wizards have to make up a game and a half so essentially two games on Orlando to to force the play in game but washington also has one of the toughest schedules uh, it, or potentially could have one of the toughest schedules uh, in the bubble um you know they were they were slated to have i believe the toughest schedule of any team um, that that is entering the bubble at this point, so that you know they were they're they're going to have a lot of challenges coming down the stretch. It's not going to be easy for Washington, Brooklyn. You know, Brooklyn is certainly a team that the Magic can pass. Uh, like I said, the Magic were scheduled to play the Nets actually twice in the week after uh, the season went on hiatus, um, and it's very possible that there could be two games between the Magic and the Nets heading into this into this campus setting. And, and if that's the case. Essentially, those two games are going to probably determine who finishes seventh because it's it's not likely the Magic or the Nets will be able to pick up a ton of wins. It wouldn't surprise me if the Magic go you know three if if the Magic go four and four, I think they're in, Um, and I think it's possible, especially you know maybe with some late late season chicanery as as it were. Um, But it wouldn't be surprising if the Magic go three and five, and, and even then, I think that's probably enough for the Magic to get in.
3: Yeah, I just by looking at the East, I think. I mean, if I were to guess, I would say I would choose Orlando to climb to seven. I'm just not really high on Brooklyn. Um and I have a hard time seeing that play in happen in the East. Now the West is just a a cluster. It's just an absolute mess. But I West I is would, gonna be a war. Yeah, it's it's gonna be fascinating to watch. So all right. Give me two or three players to watch for Orlando coming into uh this this return to play. Two players that you think uh, could really come in, maybe stand out, uh, maybe underrated guys on the roster who maybe come in and, and show out in these eight games plus the playoffs, um, whatever. Just just two or three players that you think is going to be significant to watch for Orlando.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think the first guy is, is Aaron Gordon. I mean, after the All-Star break or around the All-Star break, he really started to pick up his, his play and really started to be the player that I think a lot of us expected that he would be. He was averaging around, uh, I think, 18 points per game, he was up near seven, eight rebounds per game, and he actually had six assists per game. He was doing a really good job moving the ball, and Orlando just did a really good job putting him in, in better positions for him to succeed. They started using him more on the block. They they put him kind of inside the three point line, so he wasn't taking as many threes. Um, he was making a lot quicker decisions, and you know, it, it really seemed like the the light bulb finally clicked on for for Aaron to to play the way that I think a lot of us imagined that he could play as this kind of versatile do it all power forward, and and. You know, it, it was it was frustrating. It's frustrating to see the the season go on hiatus because it really did feel like the Magic had figured a lot of things out. So, I would expect that the Orlando is going to kind of come back into this bubble, uh, doing a lot of the same things. Uh, you know, e- even if Jonathan Isaac is there, I'm sure they're going to try and use Aaron in much the same way. Um, the other player that I think you have to watch out for is kind of the 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 pulse of this Magic team, and that's Nikola Vucevic. Um, the thing about Nikola Vucevic is he's not flashy. I mean, he was an all-star last year, but, but his game is he's just going to be consistent. He's going to be there for you as kind of a safety valve. You don't have to run a lot of plays for him, um, but if you get him on the move, if you get him on pick and rolls you know, or pick and pops, you know, he's going to be there for you, and he's going to attract attention from the defense. And you know, his ability to score is really what paces the magic in a lot of ways. He's quietly one of the best passing big men in the league. Um, I don't think a lot of people talk enough about his passing. Uh, and the magic do run a lot of offense uh, through him or around him. what might be the better way to say it. And so uh, I think you know I think Orlando, when they get back to work, they're gonna rely a lot more on him and, and rely a lot more on what he's what he's doing to kind of give them the stability as, as everyone kind of figures out figures themselves out once again. Um, I, I think that that's I think that those are definitely the two key players. another another player to watch though, that I think a lot of us are interested in is to see what Mo Bamba looks like when he gets back to work. Um, Mo was really starting to come into, come into his own. He was starting to shoot more efficiently uh, when we hit the hiatus, uh, and he was showing a lot more understanding defensively. I mean, his block numbers have been pretty good. He, I mean, he's a natural shot blocker just because of his length, but his defensive positioning was a lot better, and while you know he was still getting out-muscled a lot, that's you know that was something that that he could work on and, and it's apparently something he has worked on. I mean uh, he's he told uh, season ticket holders that that he gained 28 pound 28 pounds during the hiatus and oh my gosh. And Steve Clifford said Steve Clifford I think told the Orlando Sentinel that um his his staff told him it isn't bad weight it, it was it was generally good weight uh, and so it it sounds like Mo might be coming back a, a very different player and of course the big criticism with Mo Bamba uh, was that he's just not strong enough to play meaningful minutes at center. And, and I would agree with that. I, I'm, a, I'm a big Mobamba fan. I, I think there, there's, there's something there. Um, he's just got to put all the pieces together and, and kind of get some confidence. Um, but that's really not going to come until he puts on the weight. And, and so it sounds like he's put on a little bit of weight. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see what happens when you kind of throw him into, into the fire here in, in these postseason games. And And I think every team is going to have to rely on their depth. I don't think teams are going to be able to come into this bubble and play guys 35, 36, 37 minutes minutes are going to be watched very, very carefully. And I think teams are going to have to rely on their depth. And so if Mo Bamba can give the magic, uh, some meaningful minutes off the bench, um, I I think that that's, that's going to be critical for the magic to, to get to the seven seed and, and, and secure their playoff spot.
3: Perfect. Yeah. I wanted to ask you if there were any players that you thought maybe benefited from the time off, we've essentially had a, a mini off season where players could, some players could work on their game, work on their body. So it sounds like Mo Bamba might really be that guy for Orlando and, Yeah, if he can come around, I think that would be a a massive benefit. Um, All right, Philip. Well, in order to get you out of here on time, I just have one more question for you. This is kind of a fun one to finish us off. Since the NBA is resuming down in Disney World, we're going to play a quick word association game. So I'm going to name a Disney character, and then I want you to tell me which player from the Magic is like the best comp for that character.
4: All right? Okay.
3: Okay. Let's start with. I have a list of characters here, um, but let's just start with the uh, the icon, Mickey Mouse. Who's the Mickey Mouse of Orlando Magic?
4: It's probably Aaron Gordon. I mean he's he's the most he's the most popular guy. He's he's kind of the the face of the fran- face of the franchise in in some ways, even though he's maybe not the best player. Um, but but I think he's the guy most people want to be around. So so I'll I'll, I'll give Aaron Aaron the love as Mickey. All right.
3: Uh, Hercules.
4: Hercules is ooh, I'm trying to think who's, who's kind of the weight room all-star. Uh, um, I'm, I'm blanking on this. Uh, I don't, that I don't might know be who, Aaron
3: Gordon again, a little it bit. Might, I mean, he, it might he is be, pretty young. It yoked.
4: might be Aaron Gordon, Aaron Gordon again. I don't want to give, give it to, to two guys in a row. I forget who won the magic have an award. They give out called the, uh, the iron magic award to, to whoever makes the most, uh, weight room gains. And I forget who won it this year. Um, I, I I might have to think a little bit harder on this. No, one you're fine. Trying um, to go through the roster here real fast.
3: What? So, so let's move on to another name. Okay. while you're thinking uh, Simba from Lion King.
4: Simba is Simba is definitely Jonathan Isaac. Okay. He's okay, gonna yeah. he's gonna be the king someday. Uh, he, he's already got the lion theme. It's it, it, you know his smile light, lights up a room. It, it's 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 definitely Simba. Beautiful. Or it's definitely it's definitely uh, Jonathan Isaac.
3: And then last one. <laughs> this will be a good one. Uh, Elsa from Frozen.
4: Elsa from frozen. Ooh. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 I think Elsa from frozen is, is probably, Mar- is probably Markel. Um, I, I don't think he understands the power that he has quite yet. Uh, and, uh, and he's still kind of learning how to control, how to control, control things, but, uh, you know, he's, he's real smooth and cool, uh, to, to go with that, to go with that theme as well. Um, uh, and, and, and I think, I think we're all, we're all eager to see, see Markel, uh, let it go, so to speak.
3: <laughs> i love it i love it well philip man thank you so much for joining us today you guys can check out philip's work he is the host of the locked on magic podcast so go download that anywhere you get your pods and check out all of his work at orlandomagicdaily.com again philip thank you so much for your time man no problem thank- now i'd like to take just a second to tell you guys about betonline.ag There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports for you to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7. Or you can participate in the $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness style NFL simulation tournament that you can enter for free. And live right now on Bet Online's YouTube channel, You'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary that BetOnline is calling The Final Dance. Visit betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solutions. Now let's get you over to my interview with Nick Fay about the Brooklyn Nets. All right, so now we are joined by the host of the Brooklyn Buzz and NBA Outlet Podcasts. He's also the head of otgbasketball.com, here to talk all things Nets with us. Uh, Nick Faye. Nick, how are you doing, man?
5: Jacob I'm doing great appreciate you guys having me on again to preview the same season obviously it's been a weird year for the NBA and a weird year in 2020 in general but happy to be on always happy to talk Nets
3: awesome well we really appreciate you you guys can follow Nick he's on Twitter at OTG underscore Nick you can find his podcast both the Brooklyn Buzz and NBA outlet anywhere you get your pods so make sure to go download those and check those out Uh, Nick let's start by kind of like you said it's we're previewing the same season, but it really feels like two different seasons. So let's summarize what technically is the first half of the season. So Brooklyn, 30 and 34 so far. They're good for seventh in the East and only a half game up on Orlando. Uh, but looking at the standings, it feels like a billion games behind the six-seeded 76ers. Yep. Uh, there's there's a chasm there for sure. And the Nets are 5 and 6 since the All-Star break, but 3-0 in their, in their last three games. Um, And no KD all season. Uh, Kyrie has been inconsistent in and out due to injury. Um, How else would you recap the next season so far?
5: It's been a weird season for the Nets, and I think going in, it always felt like it was going to be a weird season, knowing that Katie wasn't probably going to play and it was all going to be about 2021. And then, like you mentioned, the fact Kyrie was kind of in and out of the lineup and we really didn't get to see him play much. It was just all over the place, and even Karis LeVert missed a good chunk of time. It finally felt like the Nets were maybe starting to hit their stride over those last three games. Obviously, the coaching change with uh, Kenny Atkinson being let go earlier in the year and then Jock Vaughn taking over for the last two games. Just, I can't stress this enough, just a really weird year for the Nets, but still kind of enjoyable watching some of the guys, you know, not take that next step, but kind of just see them grind out
3: games. Definitely. And it feels like the Nets have this interesting um, mix of, obviously you have the Vets, you have KD, you have Kyrie, you have DeAndre Jordan, but then you also have, like you mentioned, Karis Levert. Uh, you have, uh, why am I going blank? The big Spencer, David, Jared Jared Allen. Jared Allen. Yeah. So you kind of have this, this interesting mix. So it's, I imagine it's been an interesting season as far as seeing vets that you kind of know what to expect while also watching young guys develop.
5: Yeah. And it was so, I think like the weirdest thing and like the most disappointing thing with Kyrie being injured is like, you want to see those young guys, specifically Lavert and you know Jared Allen and Dinwiddie to another extent. He's not super young, but not much older than Caris LeVert either. Develop that chemistry and kind of build those habits for next season. Even a guy like Torian Prince, who had kind of high expectations going to the year, you know, wasn't a great season for him. And then Joe Harris kind of continuing his three point, you know, shooting, and then looking at his contract for the next season. So, just it was just like I said, really weird and just like the guys not being able to really make much out of this year because. You kind of hinted at it when we were talking before the show. The Nets could make a move for a third star, so you don't even know who's really going to be on the team next year.
3: Yeah, it's it's a, it's a fascinating team for sure, just with so many question marks. Plenty so, to talk about on the buzz. <laughs> so we kind of touched on some of the the struggles that the Nets have had, but tell me some of the season highlights so far. A
5: lot of great individual performances. You know, Kyrie only played 20 games, but he had two 50-point performances, including one against the Bulls. It was a 54-point game with, like, 80% from the field, over 50% from three. So, a ridiculous performance. Karo Avert had a 51-point game and a wild comeback against the Celtics. You know, Dinwiddie had a lot of big games, a lot of game winners. So, I think just looking at the individual performances, there was a lot to be happy about.
3: Nice. And then organizational news so far during the kind of the quarantine and the hiatus of the league so we know Kevin Durant tested positive for COVID-19 that's uh that's obviously a pretty big organizational news um but anything else coming out of the Nets organization since March 11th
5: uh other players actually did test positive as well they never were leaked to the public the Nets didn't actually leak KD KD came out and said it which we all know Um, Other than that, like we kind of hinted at, you know, Kenny Atkinson being let go uh, two games before the season was put on hiatus and then Jock Vaughn taking over. It's kind of a forgotten thing because it happened so quick and there wasn't a big sample size. But other than that, you know, and like we talked about, Katie and Kyrie being out for the return of this, you know, NBA season two.
3: Very good. So so let's dive into kind of what we can expect from Brooklyn down in Orlando. Um, You mentioned that three and oh and maybe kind of catching a stride right before the league shuts down. Um, the way they were trending, do you think that Brooklyn was was on the track to kind of make some separation and really solidify that seven seed? And was there any hope? I, I mean, it looked pretty much like a collision course with Toronto uh, for the first round of the playoffs for the Nets. Was there any hope in the Nets maybe being able to make some noise in that matchup? We know Toronto has been surprisingly incredible this season so just how how was the team trending and how did you feel about the team before the shutdown happened
5: I felt pretty good you know they came off a, a nice win against the Bulls and then followed it up with a win against the Lakers who at that time were getting a lot of hype because they had just beaten the Bucks and the Clippers and the Nets went to LA and won obviously it you was know, somewhat of a fluke but you got to feel good about it as a team trying to build confidence a new head coach taking over so I think they were probably trending up, starting to develop some of that chemistry. And one guy who really like turned his game up from the end of February into March was Karis LeVert, who was playing at you know an all-star level for a few weeks. And that was something that the Nets fans were really happy about because we saw it the previous season. Then, like I mentioned, he got injured in uh, early November and didn't get to play much. And then he was finally hitting his stride and looking like he could possibly be that third star for the Nets next season.
3: Very good. So eight games in Orlando we're gonna get eight regular season games two or three preseason then hit the playoffs what are your expect expectations for those eight games I don't know what the Nets uh, what what their schedule looks like you might be more inclined to to kind of break that down for us as far as you know it's supposed to be just the next eight games that they had regularly scheduled but how are you feeling about that eight game stretch Uh, And their seeding. Do you think they're going to stay in that seven seed? Or Orlando's just that half game back? Do you think there's a chance the Nets slide back? Because there's really no chance of either. I don't even know mathematically if either team can climb to the six at this point.
5: Yeah, I I mean, I like the Nets schedule. It's not too difficult. I'm going to try to pull it up real quick. They got the Clippers, the Kings... The Wizards, the Celtics, the Magic, the Clippers, the Magic, and the Trailblazers.
3: Oh, yeah, that's really nice.
5: Yeah, and they'll be able to kind of dictate their, their seeding because they play Orlando twice, and they play the Wizards as well, which it's probably unlikely. The Wizards have a tough schedule. I don't see them really getting close to Orlando or Bro- Brooklyn, given that they already have a big lead on them. Um, I feel relatively confident about them maintaining the seventh seed because Orlando's schedule is a tiny bit tougher but overall, I think the Nets are going to probably look to you know, play the guys, the veterans. I don't think they're going to look to play the young guys. They're going to go with a rotation to that first game and kind of hope they can build up some chemistry and go into that first-round matchup. I don't think they're going to be able to upset Toronto, like you mentioned, having an amazing year, and they're a very, very good team. But hopefully they can make it competitive, and I think they have a solid chance. They played the Raptors pretty well in February. I think they lost one game in Toronto, and then when they faced them in Brooklyn, they were to pick up the W
3: very good so who are some players that we should really be on the lookout for for brooklyn whenever they return to play i know you've mentioned karis lavert a lot here so i assume (laughs) he's one guy that we need to be looking out for kind of how he performs in orlando but what are some other names of some guys that we should watch
5: yeah i mean karis is a guy that i love and i'll mention him a ton but uh spencer dinwiddie's a guy you know him and karis give the nets you know two really good guards that you know can drop 30 or 40 on you any given night i think the center battle will be fun to watch you know When Jacques Vaughn took over, DeAndre Jordan became the starter, so Jared Allen will be coming off the bench. Watching those two guys compete and kind of who can earn more minutes will be something to watch. And then just, like, overall watching a lot of the role players and see, like, can they earn a spot for next season? Like, are you going to be on this team next year? Can some of these guys, you know, maintain a high level of play in the postseason, prove they're kind of worthy to be on a championship team, but other than that, there's not really a ton to watch. Maybe Torian Prince has a guy that can bounce back from having a really bad start to the year and you know show Nets fans why Sean Marks came in the extension this past summer.
3: Awesome. So, and extrapolating on that question just a little bit, so th- those are some players to watch as far as how they develop and if they can help the Nets win games down in Orlando. But is there any chance that you think, uh, and specifically you mentioning Tari and Prince brought this idea to my mind, any players that Nets fans are hoping can come out and perform well for this couple of weeks, four weeks, a month down in Orlando to really drive up some trade value so the Nets could possibly work a deal in the short offseason to bring in some more high-caliber vets to pair around KD and Kyrie?
5: 100%. I think, you know, Jack and I just talked on the buzz about how there is benefits to KD and Kyrie not playing. It's a lot of the guys we've mentioned building up their trade value from Kerosavart to Spencer Dinwiddie to Jared Allen to Torian Prince. I think they're all guys that have been mentioned in possible trade packages for this upcoming offseason being for Bradley Beal or Drew Holiday or Aaron Gordon or whoever it might be. So I think, like, Almost looking through the roster, anyone who's a positive asset, you're you're hoping that they can kind of increase that trade value. And they have a really good opportunity because they're going to have the ball in their hands a lot, specifically Dinwiddie and Lavert, who are probably the Nets' biggest trade chips.
3: Awesome. So a little off topic here, but I just want to pick your brain on this. If realistically, obviously the Nets aren't going to go out and sign Anthony Davis or LeBron James or anything like that, but realistically with the the value of players and picks and everything that Brooklyn has, who is your ideal like third quote unquote star? Like maybe it's a fringe all-star player. Maybe it is an all-star player that you would like to see the Nets go out and acquire in the off season to bring in for 2020, 2021.
5: Yeah, I think this is an extremely interesting question because you could go the you know, third star route and make that move for Bradley Beal or Drew Holiday, or you could go to a lesser route and maybe make a move for Aaron Gordon or like a PJ Tucker or somebody where you're adding that depth and filling a position of need. So for me, it really comes down to the trade package. Like, are you getting good value for your players? Like, if you're sending an excessive package and you're trying to compete with another team for Bradley Beal and now you're draining your depth and draining all your first-round picks for the future, I think you, you maybe have to think twice about that. If you're able to get a guy like, you know, Aaron Gordon on a steal where maybe you're not even having to give up one of your great guys and you're trading, you know, Torian Prince and in some first-round picks or something like that, you feel a lot better. So for me, it's it's more so like the trade package and the value that they're, they're putting out. There, I don't know if there's one specific guy that fits because, like, when you have Kyrie and KD, you know, you you have the pieces already there probably for a championship team and given some of the other debt pieces on the roster. So it's not like they need to make that big move. I think a few small moves could push them to that next level as well.
3: Definitely. So we know Kyrie really only plays the one. KD can, can fluctuate between three and four. In Oklahoma City, he primarily played three, went out to Golden State, and played a lot more four, and it's been kind of trending that way. The league is trending that way. Is there a certain position... That you think that Brooklyn should should focus on trading for, whether it be a two or a three, or maybe even getting a a, a better center if they decide to move on and let DeAndre Jordan like be their bench player or whatever. Is there a, a specific position that you think that they should target?
5: Yeah, I think the like it's not I guess technically one position, but kind of how you mentioned, Katie can play the three or the four. I think they need to get another three four tweener. That is a little bit more defensive-minded. You know, even being a guy like I mentioned Aaron Gordon or like a Mo Harkless or a Marcus Morris or somebody, that can give you the flexibility of giving KD the easier matchup. Obviously, coming off a torn Achilles, you don't want to pressure him to have to defend Giannis in a playoff series or something like that or have to match up with Kawhi or LeBron. If he's carrying a big offensive workload. So I would try to get that. I'm a big on versatility and like in closing lineups, having that flexibility where maybe even you play KD at the five and you go small or something like that. So if I was targeting one position, it would definitely be like that three, four tweener. But if you're talking like star, I think it could be anyone but you know, the one position.
3: Okay, interesting. So players for the Nets that you think could have benefited or suffered from the shutdown and from quarantine. Anybody come to mind immediately?
5: Uh, I would, I know I've been saying his name a lot, but I feel like you can make <laughs> an argument, maybe Karis LeVert, because he was playing so well and then going on a hiatus, you're going to maybe lose some of that, you know, smoothness or the chemistry or just, you know, the rhythm of your game. And maybe even the same could be spent said for Spencer Dinwiddie, but, I can't say it would be really any different than any other NBA player or anything like that. Like nobody was coming off an injury or anything like that would hinder them even more. You know, Some guys have mentioned they're a little bit overweight, but I expect that to be a common theme throughout
3: the NBA. Yeah, we've had discussions on the uncontested on who do we think in the NBA is most likely to come back the most overweight. And it's been a fun, a fun chat. We all kind of a agreed. lot of Jokic and Embiid. <laughs> yeah, we talked so much about Jokic, but apparently, the dude is yoked now. He's got a six pack and is all skinny. So that's gonna be interesting. Same to thing watch. for
5: James Harden, I heard too. So that's uh, gonna James.
3: Be... <laughs> James Harden looks like he did a lot of crack cocaine over there. I'm just gonna say he's lost a ton of weight. Um, any big changes you expect to the Nets whenever they come back to play? Whether it be lineup changes or style of play uh, conditioning chemistry anything just any big changes that you see coming
5: I mentioned you know Jacques Vaughn did take over the last two games he did implement like some minor changes the Nets were switching a little bit more giving getting away from that uh, pick and roll drop coverage you know coming out or forcing the guy to make a play instead of giving up in that mid range shot maybe there could be slight changes to the rotation but overall I expect it to be pretty similar to what we saw most of 2019 and 2020
3: all right um playoff prediction so you said you see the Nets staying at the seventh seed and as we mentioned that ends up with them matching up with Toronto I think Toronto is pretty safe at two no way they're getting to one they could slip back to three if they perform uh, rather poorly down in Orlando but that Nets Toronto matchup if that comes to pass how many games do you think that series goes and what percentage chance would you give the Nets of being successful moving on in the second round
5: so I think like the, optimis- <laughs> the op- optimistic view would probably be six games. The more likely scenario is probably getting knocked out in five, given you know the players that Toronto has, the chemistry they have, and just having more talent. And I'd say on a percent chance that they could pull the upset, uh, I guess I'll go with 10%. So let's say if the series was played 10 times, the Nets maybe could win one out of 10 times.
3: Okay, that's fair. And I think trying to compare these these playoff matchups and everything right now, is so difficult because the nba is going to look so different yeah again like the, the long break is one thing the lack of a crowd i think is going to play more of a role than what some fans are are thinking you know the the crowd is really a source of energy for a lot of teams and what's actually big
5: home court teams like toronto actually is one of those teams they have an incredible home court you know exactly same- so, I'm intrigued by that. And I also think you've mentioned a great point. There's going to be like so many different variables where, like, hey, like this team just might not be able to gel in that eight games or get back to where they were playing before. And some other team just might get hot during that time. We've seen, you know, teams get hot during the NBA during certain stretches and, you know, play above their talent level. So, I think it gives you a little bit more hope in upsets because of just the different variables out there.
3: Definitely. Uh, before we move on to my last question, there's been some talk amongst teams in the NBA of finding a way to give teams that had home court advantage some sort of advantage in Orlando due to um, you, you don't have the home court advantage anymore you played the whole season I, I like to look at Milwaukee they busted their asses to have home court throughout the entire playoffs and now that's gone are there any of these ideas that have been floated out that you find intriguing and would like to see them try down in Orlando to give home court advantage teams a specific advantage in Orlando
5: um, I can't say one like has really stuck out where I'm like, oh, I absolutely love this. I think there were a few that were a little bit ridiculous. And then there was a few that like made sense. Like I think the one where uh, the home court team gets possession every single time at the start of every quarter, you know, it's not a huge thing, but it does give you that slight advantage that maybe could help you win a game. And it's not like a drastic disadvantage for the opposing team.
3: Are you telling me you're not a fan of seating 1 through 16 and drafting hotel rooms? <laughs> I didn't even know that was an option. But yeah, <laughs> Apparently, that was talked about. They would draft who would get to stay at what hotel. And I just, that idea, I love that so much. Just thinking of Orlando getting sent down to Motel 6 <laughs> is uh, just an incredible thought. All right. Well, Nick, before we let you go, I want to play a quick game. So since the season is resuming in the most magical place on earth, Disney World, I am going to give you the name of a Disney character and I want you to come up with a comp for that character uh, of a player on the Nets roster. Let's do it. So we'll do a handful here. Uh, Let's start with one of my favorite Disney characters of all time, Mufasa from The Lion King. Mufasa
5: so I think you know you're looking for like a great leader somebody who can kind of steer, steer the team and I'm gonna go with Sean Marks here I didn't go with a player I just felt like there wasn't necessarily one strong leader on the net so I had to move up to the general manager and I think Sean Marks has done a good job of leading this team and kind of changing the
3: culture of the net so he got the nod for me I love it all right let's go with Sean Marks slash Mufasa's son Simba
5: Simba I went with Nick Claxon here the rookie on the nets he's this young gun a lot of nets twitter super high on him and hoping that maybe he could be a guy that develops into an all-star down the line a lot of upside there previous head coach kenny atkinson even compared him to chris bosh so i think given simba what he turns into nets fans hope that could be the case for claxon
3: beautiful uh hercules who would be hercules on the nets roster
5: so I just had to go with the biggest dude here, and I'm going to go with DeAndre Jordan. I thought
3: you were going to say that.
5: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no one else that really makes sense. It's not like the Nets have many like physically imposing figures. So DeAndre just being a massive human <laughs> fits the bill.
3: Awesome. Well, uh, let's go with Goofy.
5: Goofy, I'm going to go actually with the other center, Jared Allen here. He just kind of has like a lanky, swingy vibe to him. Even when he gets fouled, he's kind of flopping all around, and he he doesn't necessarily have a ton of body weight to him. So, uh, goofy for Jared
3: Allen. Awesome. And then last one, we got to go with the Icon, the Mouse himself. Mickey Mouse. Who's the Mickey Mouse of the Brooklyn Nets?
5: So, this is tough because, like, you mentioned Icon, and this guy probably isn't like the Icon, but I think Mickey Mouse, and I think, like, everybody likes him. He's like a happy, nice guy. So, I went with Karisvert here.
3: Okay, beautiful, beautiful. I like how none of the names that you threw out were Kyrie or KD. You kind of went uh, a little. Di- so I sent you a list of characters. Were there any of them that you put as Kyrie or KD? I put Kyrie as Aladdin.
5: <laughs> I don't know why. It just kind of gave me that vibe of like just how he is, and so that was the only one. I couldn't really think of one for KD because, as you know, you know, being an OKC fan, like KD doesn't necessarily show a ton of his personality. And I'm not sure if like any of these guys kind of fit him. I did yeah. have one for Spencer Dinwiddie, Donald Duck, because I just felt like he's an important character, but everyone kind of wants him to just shut up
3: sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you about that. I guess we'll finish with this. As a person who covers the Thunder, the team, most of the players that come through Oklahoma City aren't really big on social media, right? Like Kevin Durant, Whenever he left Oklahoma City, he became kind of big on social media, but not during his time in OKC. Uh, same thing for Russell Westbrook, uh, Steven Adams. I don't even know if that guy's alive right now. Like I haven't <laughs> seen anything from him. Shea Gilgis-Alexander has been very quiet. Chris Paul, um, professional, but, but not a very big social media guy. But then you go to Spencer Dinwiddie, the guy who's trying to crowdfund enough money in Bitcoin to let fans choose his next team. Right. I, I just, from somebody who covers the Nets, I just want to know your perspective on what it's like to talk about a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie. He was just so blatantly out there publicly.
5: I mean, I enjoy it. You know, obviously, I take like everything he says with a grain of salt. Like that whole thing about like crowdfunding to pick his next team, it was more of like a charity ploy, but he made it seem like. Because there was no way that I think he was going to be able to raise that much money yeah. for a team to pick his next contract. So like, I think Spencer like jokes a lot, and he has a really he's a really good self awareness of like an NBA player like who he is in the NBA. And I think that feel makes him feel more comfortable in terms of like talking out about different things. And I mean, as somebody who covers a team, I love it because it always gives me something to talk about. Like it's always an extra topic we can throw on the buzz.
3: Yeah, that's what I was about to say. You, you're never str- uh, struggling for content on your Brooklyn podcast if you have Spencer Dinwiddie to talk about actually, and do, he
5: might even reach out to you on Twitter like I've, I've had a couple interactions with Spencer myself so oh, that's <laughs> awesome uh, yes.
3: don't know if you know this but a, a slight Brooklyn Oklahoma City tie Spencer Dinwiddie I dating or engaged to Andre Robertson's sister correct because they, I, they both went to Colorado so yeah and
5: they're both really good friends I actually think Spencer just bought a house with her um, in San Antonio
3: Oh, there you go! Nice, nice. Uh, and San Antonio is actually where Andre Robertson and his family are from. So
5: there we go. We got we're connecting the dots. There,
3: there, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there's dots everywhere. All right. Well, Nick, thank you so much for joining us. To our listeners, make sure you check out Nick's podcasts. He does both the Brooklyn Buzz podcast and the NBA Outlet. And then go check out otgbasketball.com as well, as well where Nick is the head of all things over there. You can also find him on Twitter at otg underscore Nick. Again, man, thank you so much for your time and coming on with us.
5: No problem. Appreciate, uh, appreciate you guys asking me to come on. You guys do a great job on the uncontested.
3: Hey, appreciate you, man. Hey, just once again, shout out to Nick Fay for joining us to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. And now for the last interview of the day, let's get you over to Justin's conversation with Gianni Navas, who is the host of the Miami Heat Beat Podcast. Enjoy.
1: We are now joined by the host of the Heat Beat Podcast to talk all things Miami Heat, Gianni Navas. You can find Gianni on Twitter at gnavas103, and you can find his podcast, the Heat Beat, Anywhere you get your podcast, on Twitter at m I A MIAHeatBeat and on BlueWirePods.com. Johnny, thank you so much for joining us.
2: I'm very happy to be here. It's nice to... We have a semblance of a season on the horizon, so it's nice Man. to kind of get back in the swing of things.
1: It's so nice. It was just a week ago that we were recording, and it was like, oh, it's incredible to have actual basketball news and not be straining for content. Not
2: last dance, not leeching off last right. dance.
1: <laughs> and I don't know how many, like... Pop culture, basketball team, crossovers, I can do. I think I'm kind of maxed out on that. <laughs> We've but we try.
2: Ourselves enough.
1: <laughs> we try. So we're gonna talk some Miami Heat. And who better than the host of the Heat Beat Podcast to do that with us? For our listeners who may not be as familiar with Miami Heat as Gianni is, we're gonna go through a brief summary of kind of where the season's at, where it was at before everything halted, and kind of where we are heading back into the bubble. In Orlando Miami holds a record of 41 and 24 which puts them at fourth place in the east since all-star break they've gone six and five and right before that uh, the the kind of the big trade at the deadline the thing the Thunder fan uh, is probably most familiar with is the trade uh, with Memphis where they acquired Andre Iguodala Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill and famously not Danilo Gallinari Uh, So I kind of want to start there. What have you seen out of those three guys in the the brief uh, time period that they've been with the Heat that has you excited heading into Orlando?
2: I would like to say that when they acquired Jay Crowder,
1: I I was
2: very anti the trade to start because Justice Winslow, listen, I've been Justice. I'm a Justice Justice. Winslow stand. I am a, we at Heat Beat have built a brand (laughs) around hashtag Justice Better. We have been staunch Winslow defenders. He's a wonderful basketball player. And uh, he was really hurt this year. I mean, he's been hurt a lot, but right. this year he's been like especially right. super duper hurt <laughs> I after mean, getting I, a concussion at Denver. It's just I viral. was
1: I was very disappointed when the when the Danilo Gallinari trade didn't go through because I wanted justice. That was he's, the whole reason.
2: It was sad, but then during the period of time where I thought that he had acquired Iggy and gallo i'm a i'm a <laughs> massive gallo fan i was like we could get a guy who could play the four and he could shoot and he could run pick and roll i was so excited They haven't had one of those since lebron yeah um right. so i was like oh james johnson tries but the ball ends up in the fourth row so
1: <laughs> but he, he means well he, he means, means well.
2: well you know um <laughs> the thing with jay was I was unhappy because I know that I've talked to a lot of Celtic people uh, who had been really like, ah, this guy's kind of overrated. You're kind of, he's living off of that one 39% shooting season. (laughs) Uh, And his career averages are like 32, 28, 33, 32, 31. Uh, This year with the Heat, he's shooting 39% off almost seven attempts, which is a career high. I have no idea where this has come from. (laughs) It's not like he is getting this. Like obscenely great shot quality that he wasn't before. Um, I will gladly take it. I have no idea what's going on
1: here. Um, Do you think it comes with him to Orlando?
2: I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> right, Their offense really depends on those guys hitting shots, especially because Jimmy has struggled. Uh, what he and Iguodala have brought specifically, the Heat never switched before they got here. Mm-hmm. They ran a very, very strict drop defense. Uh, even though Bam can switch, they just didn't because their guards has a lot of stress when guys like Goran and Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn are just minus defenders for the most mm-hmm. part and having to right. switch. Uh, now they can throw out these super, super switchy lineups. Right, so you can have Igudala and Jay Crowder switch. You could play them together. You, they've they've been able to do a lot more creative things defensively, which has been their Achilles heel all year. Their defense has not been
1: good since their hot start. They've just been pretty bad. Right. So let's let's take a look back at the season as a whole. What what do you think are the highlights? What what are the standout moments for this Heat team thus far in the season?
2: 2-0 against the Bucks. <laughs> Anybody, any Heat fan will tell you. 2-0 against the Bucks. <laughs> Uh A shellacking in Miami when I thought this was going to be apocalypse personified. I was like, Giannis is coming in here. Giannis is out here seeking revenge. And the poor Heat, poor Tyler. <laughs> I don't even think Tyler was playing. It was poor Kendrick Nunn, poor Goran. Everything was going to fall. And nope, they played... Arguably their best game of the season completely dismantled the Bucks. We're headed by double digits most of that second half. Uh oddly in control. They are a very, very good home team. Uh, so that's yeah. not that's not surprising. But I did not have that. Um also their success <laughs> against Toronto yeah. has been surprising. Right. Uh, that that was a matchup I thought would be really tough for them, especially without Winslow. their first matchup Winslow completely right. erased right. Van Fleet and Kyle. Uh and second time around, they came to Miami. I was at the game. Toronto had no answers. Van Fleet could not do anything. Uh, Miami oddly has their number. I don't. I, I don't really think that'll pan out in a playoff series. I have my doubts about that. <laughs> That's
1: exactly what I was about to ask.
2: Yeah. Uh, same with the Bucks. I do think that Miami can. Miami has some size in the wings that mm-hmm. is good, and they have probably the only player in the NBA that is like genetically designed to guard Giannis and Bam Adebayo, <laughs> who is just a stud defensively and offensively. To be honest, right, but. Right. I mean, you—if you're a Heat fan—if you want optimism, you yeah. look at: we are two and zero against the Bucks, we're two and zero against the Raptors, and we're—we've crushed
1: Philly the last three times, yeah. absolutely cr- embarrassed their chief rival. That uh, I mean, that's hard not to be optimistic about. That you think about potential playoff Don't ask playoff us about match-ups.
2: the Celtics. Don't ask us about the Celtics. <laughs> I, that's listen, that's <laughs> Don't ask us about that.
1: The rest of those top teams in the East. So in other words, uh, you're keeping your eyes on the standings very firmly as we head towards the playoffs then.
2: I'm, I'm a less optimistic person around the heat. <laughs> There's a lot of optimism. I am so skeptical of
1: everything they're doing, but it's worked. <laughs> yeah. It's worked. It's hard to argue with it then, you know? So uh, heading back into play, uh, everybody seems to be healthy. Is there anybody that you're concerned about? Has anybody been dealing with anything nagging?
2: So, Tyler was out. Tyler Hero, right. the rookie, was out for a really long time. He had a boot, didn't participate in All-Star Weekend, even though he was selected. Right. Um, he had just started to come back, mm-hmm. and uh, he didn't really look like himself. Understandably, right? You take a, a lot of time off of injury. Curious to see how he looks when mm-hmm. he returns, you know, having more time off, to more time to get healthy. They really, I mean... They really wanted his playmaking At the end of games The Heat's clutch numbers Are not very good And he is one of their Better clutch players Uh, Jimmy's been really awful At that end uh, This year Offensively Uh, So they really wanted him back So the extra time's gonna help Myers Leonard Who I gotta be honest I've been really hard on Myers He's He's really (laughs) helped them Especially that starting lineup Has been really good Shockingly Yeah It was a big Kelly Olenek Over Myers guy But Myers The numbers The lineup numbers With Myers and Bam are, Are really good They're like plus five or something per hundred. Hmm. It's, it's, it's yeah. good. I haven't checked in a while. Um, so those are two guys. I'm really curious how they looked when they, when they get back. Igadala had looked really bad when he first got on uh-huh. the, heat, right? So he, he Understandable. Like He clearly right. did not have his sea legs <laughs> under him. <laughs> right. Uh, he was a little step short to everything offensively. You know, it was, uh, he finally started to get a rhythm. You can finally mm-hmm. see the the. I mean, he's always he's a brilliant guy, but right, you know, you can see that he's a step on time defensively yeah. on the rotation. His body was kind of acclimating, and now he had this. basic I mean, over and off season off again, right? And, and at that age, at that body, when you haven't been that consistent, you know, it, it's worrisome. Especially because Winslow is allegedly going to come back, and a big reason why you moved him is because you didn't think he'd be yeah. available for the stretch run. Right. So.
1: I'm, yeah. I, I would look at those three guys in particular and see how this goes. Yeah. Those, I think those are, those are all great points, especially when you think about the older guys with this kind of untraditional hiatus in here, seeing how they look coming back out of that is going to be very interesting. But I think of all the things you brought up, the thing I'm most interested in is what Tyler hero's hairstyle is going to be <laughs> when he comes back on the court. He went
2: back, he got canceled <laughs> on Twitter. On, he Twitter, half he get, of he Twitter canceled, he canceled him hair shamed. Yeah, he got, he got, he got bullied
1: <laughs> into taking off the cord rolls. Well, you know, sometimes bullying works. It works. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, so he got canceled. Uh, now he's back.
1: I'm sure that he got a
2: call from the front office. I don't know. I've, that is not a report. I just imagine that somebody let him know, please don't do that. We don't, we don't want these kind of headlines in a dead news time.
1: <laughs> so anything else noteworthy during hiatus? The one thing that stood out to me in, in following the heat is uh, Jimmy Butler buying his teammates basketball hoops for their house. That's pretty awesome. Listen, he gets a bad rep for what happened in Minnesota. Like, <laughs>
2: sure. Justifiably. Right. I mean, he did yeah, that yeah. infamous practice at like, whatever. Um, the guys love him in the locker room. I mean, the, the, the time that the guys in Heat Beat have, have covered him and have spent, I mean, they're him and Bam are always cracking jokes. Yeah. He's really, really supportive of Tyler and Nun and, and Goron. and him and Goran are, are buds. And he's been really encouraging of these young guys. And I think part of that is, I mean, he just meshes so well with quote-unquote heat culture, this propagation yeah, of right. of hard work and discipline. And guys who come in here, Jared Dudley said it best. They're not for everybody.
1: Yep. And they're it, not. And It reminds me of Russell Westbrook. You know, as a Thunder fan, that's the first thing that comes to mind of somebody that consistently gets a bad reputation by NBA Twitter and fans and even opposing teams. But then as soon as your teammates with the guy, like – most of the teammates that they've ever played with, both Jimmy and Russell, have nothing but good things to say about him.
2: Honestly, I think- that shocks me when I see that because, like, Russ is a guy that I, I, he goes to bat for his teammates. Like, Steven exactly. Adams will, like, run through a brick yeah. wall for And all Russ did was take Steven Adams rebounds. Right. Go. <laughs> like, dudes Dudes love that guy. Maybe, maybe
1: not Durant, but everybody else. Yeah, right. Everybody else. <laughs> everybody else loves him. Maybe not the media, yeah. but his teammates? Like Dudley. They're not for everyone. Not, yeah, not for everybody. Um, (laughs) That was good So let's look at the team uh, Heading into Orlando How did you feel about the way they were trending Right before the season ended Were they in the right direction Or were, were there some warning signs So
2: the topic of conversation every week with them was their defense. What the hell was their defense yeah. looking like? How? Because their offense was like above average, shockingly. Like, yeah, That's still. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jimmy Butler is almost per thirty six minutes. He's like eleven or like Harden esque free throw numbers. It's like in right. the double digits. Which right. is Out like what? Where did this come from? Uh, which has sustained a lot of their offense. The defense shockingly has been weird. And I guess mm-hmm. when you look at it, like I said before, you have these really small guards who cannot yeah. really like in pick and roll. They're really exposed and off screens and stuff. So. You get these guys, right, and you start running more switch defense. And, and this is experimenting. Spoh has only had not a top 10 defense, I think, three times in his career. And he's been mm-hmm. coaching since 2009. So typically, Eric Spolster defenses are always top notch. Right. Um, he's been really big on the drop defense since Hassan, since they got Hassan Whiteside and, mm-hmm. and all that. So they've kind of moved away from that. Right it started to look good and then it stopped looking good and they ended their season with a loss to a hornet team that they absolutely should have beaten at home Mm. i think the break is probably good for them in the sense that a lot of them were playing below what they could produce jimmy butler was just not shooting the ball well uh the role players were just not hitting shots were not defending well it was like if the offense wasn't outstanding it was really tough to win games i think they're like 18th in defense i'd have to check but i know that it's like in the lower almost the 20s
1: that's surprising yeah
2: so i was not really happy with the way they were trending especially Mm -hmm. that charlotte loss i think they had lost the knicks around that time as well which i mean if you lose into the knicks you know like it's (laughs) that's
1: that's liable to
2: put it was uh, the knicks and the nets it was like a double whammy of of, (laughs) of, it was a bad weekend that was over a weekend it was not a fun weekend so I was concerned. I, yeah, I, sure. I think they were scheduled to play the Bucks, which they always play up to competition, uh, which I guess is a mm-hmm. good thing. They have a pretty decent record against the top teams, yeah. uh, except for the Celtics.
1: So looking ahead at the alleged schedule, uh, obviously nothing's official yet, but it's been reported that teams are going to essentially play the, the next eight games that are available on their schedule looking at the the alleged teams that they have uh, how do you feel about who Miami is going to face to round out the season heading into the playoffs i know that the the first game that they have is against uh somebody that you recently mentioned uh the bucks right the the bucks that is correct yeah they
2: play it's the maybe <laughs> probably it's milwaukee indiana oklahoma city denver phoenix yep. uh, the celtics indiana and then probably orlando cuz them and Orlando will be a right. short. I know like Boston is technically the next team, but they'll already have been done. They'll hit their number, right? So probably Orlando. Or let me, Orlando, Heat fans are really scared of Orlando. Like they don't want any part of Evan Fournier or really? Nikolai. Yeah, it's weird. They, they just they struggle weird. against Orlando. Since LeBron left, it's been a weird Orlando struggle,
1: huh. like hell chamber. <laughs> it's just, I, I can't explain it. I don't understand either. It's just the, the magic t- are that, their daddies. That's how the Thunder, uh, fandom feels about Iman Schumpert. <laughs> oh, I see I love this like <laughs> random play.
2: So uh he Twitter had this thing called the random scrub heat killer and it was always like these random ass people on other teams that would just light yes. up the heat. So Marcus Thornton, legendary oh, random yes. scrub heat killer. And I actually did the I actually looked at Marcus Smart's um Marcus Smart uh Marcus Thornton's games against the Heat and his shooting is Steph Curry esque. That's incredible. Like, literally the the I don't the, know
1: what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne Ellington was one, and the, the Heat had yeah. to snatch him. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you was, almost trick yourself into picking somebody up when they do that well against you.
2: Yeah. So those games against the Pacers are going to be huge because that's a likely matchup for them. I think that's what they would be scheduled to play right yeah. now. Um, so th- those are going to be two big games. At Oklahoma City. I feel like them and the Thunder are really similar type teams. I think they have mm-hmm. probably. This, I think that he'd have a lower floor, but maybe a slightly higher ceiling, and the Thunder are, are pretty much huh. around there mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, their is – I think they have the third hardest schedule. I saw uh, somebody mm. posted. Uh, somebody did kind of
1: like a look at the schedule. So that, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, you think the uh, Bucks' magic carries over to Orlando? I don't listen. I didn't think it carry
2: over to Miami, so <laughs> I'm I, I'm waiting for this. I am a pessimist on Heat Twitter. Everybody gets mad at me because I'm just—I don't believe in the defense. I think an offense sustained by Jimmy Butler's James Harden's free throw is not going to translate into the playoffs very well. And if they're not getting to the line, their defense is going to get even worse. Their offense yeah. is really not going to be sustained. Um, Duncan Robinson is having one of the greatest shooting seasons in NBA history. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Duncan could barely get on the court last year, yeah, and right? all of a sudden he's the most. Lighten it up. Weaponized, guarded the league all of a sudden. It's just really weird. Um, I don't know how he's gonna come back. Is he gonna come back shooting as lights out as he was? I mean, that he didn't need any space, which was the thing. Like, I think guys with with a quick release in this league are are so valuable. I mean, anybody can find a shooter, right? Can you find a shooter that has a quick release that's moving around screens? I mean, what he did for their offense and him as a passer in the last couple weeks. Um. Outstanding. So I, I really want to know when he comes back, what's that going to
1: look like? Is yeah, he going to sure. be able to keep that up? Is the momentum carry over through this hiatus and into an, you know, an unnatural situation in the bubble. I think that's a great point. What do you think about speaking of unnatural situations? What do you think about the lack of fans and the home court advantage with the heat? I know, like we just talked about the heat or a great home team, do you think that they're affected by the the new environment? Do you think they lose some of that edge? So they're also a really bad road team. They're a sub five hundred
2: road team, and they're an mm. elite home team. They're just mm. they're god awful on the road, as indicated by my previous. They lost to the Knicks and Nets back back,
1: <laughs> right? Right. So like they're
2: they're losing to these bottom feeder Eastern yeah. Conference teams, right? Like they're they're struggling against Phoenix on the road. Like it, it's it's bad. Like any any road trip for them is scary, right? Um and they're great right at home. So I don't I don't I I don't know. I mean this I think what we have to understand as analysts and as fans is that this is 100% uncharted territory. Absolutely. We have right. no idea how players are going to react. Is it better to be a rookie and not have this experience or vets going to be <laughs> yeah, more right. affected by this? It's like uh we have a joke in, in heat twitter. It could go could go either way, right? Yeah. That's the way we go yeah. Ah, Could go. And this really feels like it could go either way. I don't know how the Jekyll and Hyde heat are going to work the right road and away. I don't know which one we're going to get. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, right. Maybe, maybe something in between.
1: Does Disney world feel like home or does it feel like New York? It exactly. should, should be interesting. Well, I mean, they played Orlando or Orlando's scary. So maybe it's
2: yeah, but... not the, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: we've talked about some of the players going through this extended absence. Is there anybody in particular that you think really benefited or maybe on the other side really is going to suffer because of this break in the action.
2: I think Jimmy for sure is going to benefit because he was a little banged up, Mm -hmm. kind of knick-knack injuries. um, And I mean, as we've said a couple times already, he's been playing a very physical game, especially offensively. And the beating that you take by taking free throws at 100% shortens your career. For sure. It's why players move further away from the basket as they age and Jimmy Butler for some reason has done the other, has done the reverse. Right. Right. Uh, Partly because his jump shot's broken. He hasn't been able to hit shots. So the time that he has to recover his body, I think is going to be really beneficial to Mm -hmm. the heat. I think the, the heat, the guys have been working out apparently recently. So that that's really good. Uh, I think Dragic is another guy um, always, you know, an older point guard, Mm -hmm. very, very physical. Uh, He always comes into camp in shape. So that's a guy that I, I, and he lived, you know, apart from the other guys in, uh, the Heat players that live in condos, Dragic is a house. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm don't. i not aware if he had a basketball hoop or not, but I know that sure. you know he's going to have more space to work right. out and to do stuff, and he stayed. Uh, the only Heat that's players that left were Solomon Hill, uh, went to L.A., and so
1: Jimmy Butler went to San Diego. Mm-hmm. So everybody else stayed in Miami. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I get it. It's Miami. Where else are you going to go that's much better, honestly? Let me tell you, we've had, other than the stormy, like, last week and a half it's been wonderful i've
2: wow. i've sat outside in the backyard looked at the pool that's fantastic. grilled that, you that's know awesome it's, it's been wonderful i got, I got,
1: I got worst got, places to quarantine that's for worst sure. Worst places so let's talk playoffs uh, as we look ahead miami is going to be in the playoffs no matter how these eight games play out so i want to know from you where do they net out where do they end up how many rounds do they get through how many games do they take it and and do they push for a title so this is so matchup dependent, right? because sure. if they let's Get say the they Celtics.
2: yeah, exactly <laughs> well, like if they draw the Celtics in round one, which I don't I don't I mean the Celtics are probably three or two. I don't really think that he can fall right. I mean, I guess it can fall to six if it goes really bad, but I don't think right. there's enough I think the heat are probably four or five mm-hmm. so they're pretty locked into that four or five. I like their I like the matchup against Indiana. I also really am excited to see Jimmy and TJ. Warren go at it. I yes. wish we had fans. that would have been fun. Ooh. You know, they yes. had the little scuffle in Indiana. Jimmy blew the yeah. kiss as TJ Warren was ejected. <laughs>
1: you know you know what I wish is I wish we had the, the mic'd up players. Oh, my God. Like, I need the full, put it on HBO. Give me full uncensored audio. i paid pay for Jimmy that. Butler. I I would pay a premium for that. You could recoup some of your lost revenue. Think about uh, by... <laughs> Jimmy. If they play
2: the Sixers, the amount of yes. crap Jimmy Butler's talking to Ben Simmons would be so good. I need
1: that. Absolutely. Everyone needs that. I, I unfortunately don't think we're going to get that Philly matchup. I don't matchup. think so
2: either. It's It looks unlikely unless they meet in the conference finals. Yeah. Um, And then you're looking at a Bucks, uh heat semifinal, which yeah. I think probably, unfortunately, that's where it ends, despite sure. their regular season success. Now, maybe Eric Bledsoe becomes playoff Eric Bledsoe. And I'm saying Ooh. this as my hands are thrown high into the sky right now, like I'm <laughs> cheerleading. Maybe Chris Middleton is, you know, yeah. Not as, mm-hmm. yeah, as good as maybe some of us think he is. And yeah, the Duncan gets hot and the heat can seal it. I don't think it'll happen. Who knows? <laughs> but maybe I have picked the Raptors to make the finals. I would like to be clear.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. What about from the West? Who do you have? I've been a staunch Clippers guy. I don't.
2: Okay. I, I, I'm i like really unsure about Marcus Morris and his ball stopperness. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I have to – listen, I'm entrenched in this. I was bad at LeBron for going to the Lakers because I was like, he just wasted everything. I go, that team sucks. Even with AD, they're not going to be that good. And they've been awesome. They've been awesome. And yeah. I,
1: I just have to stay entrenched in the Clippers because I don't want to be that wrong. Yeah, I, I can respect that. It's a matter of pride. Listen,
2: I I, I, I'm admitting it, right? I'm in the front end. I'm yeah. like, I, this is a. This is 100% a petty, I want to
1: be right move. <laughs> That's the first step. Listen, That's I, the first step. I, I'll own it. So let's play a quick game before we get out of here. Since the league is resuming in Disney World. Disney World, I'll name a Disney character and you tell me who from your team most closely matches. So excited. You ready? Yeah. Gotta start Mickey Mouse.
2: Mickey Harrison. Uh, right? He's the guy on the top. Like he's it. the owner. Yeah. He's he's like the face. Yeah, like in the shadows. Yeah.
1: Well done. Well done. Um Scar. I think that's Jimmy. Yep. I think I think it's one hundred percent Jimmy. Yep. Um, Hercules.
2: See, I've, I struggle with this one. Okay. I want to go. I want to go Bam because mm-hmm. Bam is his effort every night is Herculean. Mm-hmm. What he does is everything. It's he is the mixer of the team. He makes this team go. This team uh-huh. is good because of Bam.
1: Yep. But then there's a part of me that wants to go Myers Leonard.
2: Actually, I. <laughs> I was debating between Udanis Haslam because okay. UD is like
1: ultimate tough yeah. guy warrior. I like it. Yeah, I like that too. What about Eeyore? I think Eeyore's
2: Solomon Hill. <laughs> Solomon Hill looks a little. He looks a little sad. Poor he Solomon. has. He just has a resting sad face. You know what I mean? And that's just <laughs> reminds me of Ewer. I don't know Solomon yet. I'm very excited to see Solomon Hill blossom into a, a a cult heat legend, but I, I don't know yet. So I'm, I'm going, I'm going to just on appearance.
1: Resting sad face might be my new favorite phrase. That's delightful. <laughs> um, last but not least, let's go with Donald Duck. See,
2: I think this one, I might go Myers because Donald okay. is a yapper. Yeah. Donald Duck talks a lot. <laughs> And Myers is always talking in the locker room. Myers is talking on the field. He's talking in the locker room and he leaves an impression. Like, like Donald.
1: Listen. But does he wear pants? Um, He doesn't
2: wear a shirt a lot, I've noticed on Instagram. (laughs) So maybe the room. See, that's why I was going If you look like Myers Leonard, I wouldn't wear a shirt. I I understand. It's it's a Donut. Right. (laughs) Udonis as well. Udonis is like, man, that guy, 0%
1: body fat. It's insane. I can't relate. (laughs) me neither (laughs) as i'm sweating through my yoga practice before this johnny uh i think that'll do it for us today thank you so much for coming on we really appreciate it we thank you for your miami heat knowledge as we get ready to head back into nba basketball finally finally i really
2: appreciate you guys having me on thank you so much
1: If you don't already, go check out the Heat Beat podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts on BlueWirePods.com, on Twitter at MIAHeatBeat, follow Gianni at GNavas103, and check out all things Miami Heat. Until next time.
3: Just want to say again, thank you to our three guests so much for coming on. We really appreciate you guys. Again, for for the Orlando Magic, Philip Rossman Reich, He's the Locked On Magic podcast host and editor of OrlandoMagicDaily.com. We got Nick Fay, the Brooklyn Buzz and NBA outlet podcast host and head of OTGBasketball.com. And then lastly, Gianni Navas of the Heat Beat podcast. Again, you guys, thank you so much for coming on. And to our listeners, thanks for checking this out. Come back next Wednesday as we will have the next edition of Under the Bubble to we'll be breaking down another three teams on our way to the resumption of the NBA season at Disney World in Orlando. We will be back with you guys again on Friday morning with another edition of the uncontested until then have a great couple of days Thunder up.